This is an audio recording of the Lendit Fintech Weekly News Show. The show is streamed live on Lendit TV, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter at 5 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. In this fast-paced show, the Lendit News team and a special guest discuss the most important fintech news stories of the past week. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Lender Fintech Weekly News Roundup. Back in the saddle again this week, this is Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lender Fintech, joined as always um, by my good friend and colleague coming at us from his hotel room in Boulder, Colorado. How are you doing, Todd? Yeah, I'm good, Peter. How are you? Doing great. And we have, for the first time... Um, our special guest today, Kevin Travis, uh, journalist extraordinaire for Lended Fintech. How are you doing, Kevin? Great. How are you guys? Doing well. Welcome well, to the show, Kev. Yes. Welcome to the show indeed. So let's kick it off. Another busy news week. And we're going to kick it off with the same company that we kicked it off last week or Todd kicked it off last week with, and that is Apple. Apple continued to... Um, generate a lot of uh, headlines and and a lot of uh, a lot of articles so this was in bloomberg this week apple is working to bring more financial services in house and they have an actual they have an, an actual project that they've that they've they've named it it's called breakout and you know this is going to impact the um you know the the, the partners they have like goldman sachs you know green dot uh, that um they they partner with right now um and you know apple they've just become i feel like they've become this behemoth in financial services with you know, obviously apple pay is getting more and more traction and uh and now they're they're sort of slowly slowly sort of spreading their tentacles it feels like everywhere what do you think todd i think the i mean you're right in in most of what you say there i think the one caveat with apple is they do seem to be very focused on kind of keeping it all the Apple ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, most of the, I think the buy now, pay later stuff, they want to keep the transactions uh, in the hundreds of dollars. Uh, they want to keep, uh, at least according to what Bloomberg's reporting, um, you know, the larger credit lines would still be with Goldman Sachs uh, and the Apple card. So it does seem like, you know, they are the X factor. Yeah. Um, you know, how many people have iPhones? You, you're talking about hundreds of millions of customers. I think it's a billion now. A billion. Could, yeah, openness. there you go. Uh, but it does seem like they they have this vision of there's this Apple ecosystem, and that's what it's for. And do they break out beyond that and and just say, hey, we're we're going to become a bank eventually? I, I don't know. Um, they could certainly, you know, go in that direction eventually. Um, they have the the technology. They have the now financial services experience and wherewithal. So um, to me, I think it's one of the more fascinating stories in, in mm-hmm. um, you know, financial services over the next decade, probably that crypto and, and maybe a couple other things uh, that rise to that level. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I have to agree. I think uh, some of their other providers for some of their financial services, like uh, core card, core green dot, in the U.S., they took like their stocks took a hit because I know last week with the acquisition of Credit Kudos, we were wondering, so what is it for? Are they doing buy now, pay later? But it's just generally to build 
dare I say it, the super app that we might see <laughs> out of. I mean, who else in the U.S. could do it? But uh, maybe they could. Um, but Apple Payments alone is like a 70 billion business. Um, and those core providers that stocks took a hit are only in the U.S. So it, at least in the near future, they might be looking to expand through, as, as, as Todd said, that Apple branded experience. Everything from the top down is all Apple products. Yeah. And, you know, I always... I feel like the Apple wallet that, you know, I, I use Apple pay from you know time to time and uh, it's, it has a lot of potential. It's they're doing virtually nothing with it. I mean, they're doing payments and it, that could be the Apple wallet could be the super app. Certainly. If they decide. Well, I mean, just think now, I mean, I get uh, airline tickets were in my Apple wallet this morning when yeah. I flew out to, to Colorado. Um, they have Apple pay. Yep. I think the real change, uh, and it's moving in this direction. I think Peter, you mentioned you've tested this or you have this. Is when passports and driver's licenses move to the phone, and when that instance happens, then the wallet as a physical thing goes away permanently. Right. And your phone, and that maybe they're waiting for that day to happen, and all of a sudden they they take the wallet to the next level, but we're already moving there. Yeah. And it's just, to me, it's a matter of when, not if. Yep. No, I agree. And yeah, Colorado does allow you to have your driver's license on your phone. And I saw I have, there's a Colorado app that have your driver's license, car registration, COVID um, vaccination thing. It's all there. Anyway, yeah. we could talk about Apple for the whole 30 minutes because they're such an interesting company, but we will move on um, to another interesting company, Visa. Um, Visa have launched an NFT program and this is super interesting because they are, you know, they're basically like it's called the Visa Creator Program, and they're they're working with um, all of the sort of all the kind of creators of NFTs, which are you know artists, musicians, you know filmmakers, any all, all that sort of creative you know element, and uh, who traditionally aren't super up to date with what uh, is going on in business and technology. And um, I know that's a generalization, forgive me, um, but they're going to basically give a one to one year program that um, they're going to teach them basically how to, how to build their business with NFTs. And I think, you know, these are really another interesting, you know, big behemoth that um, have put their stake in the ground. So we are going all in. We're going all in on on NFTs and crypto, and they and this is just another example of that. I think the the one thing with NFTs, at least today, are it's it's pretty limited to like artists and um, music and you know that like it, the, the way they were describing it in the the release was that like it's to you know, all of main street, small businesses. And, you know, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm connecting that dot yet, but um, I think the, the biggest value they get out of this is NFTs are clearly part of this new future. This allows them to use it and truly understand it. Right. Uh, because to me, that's where uh, with firms like Visa or MasterCard or whoever, the only way that they're getting totally immersed in, in what this new world is, is if they do stuff like this, Yep. which is yep. use it. They bought the, the crypto punk. Mm -hmm. Now they've, they're set up this program. And so this is how they get totally immersed. And then in the next couple of years, they say, all right, that program's over. Now here's the long-term 
yeah. uh, thinking behind uh, what we were just doing with the NFT. Right. And Kevin um, is the only person who's actually created an NFT on this call. <laughs> you going to jump into that program? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish they would invite me. It sounds like they, they have not only they, – Visa's big and slow, but they know what they're doing. They signaled that they're with the kids buying a CryptoPunk, um, and now this program I, – I think it's not – Todd was, was correct. Like it's not just for them to showcase creators. They're learning from creators. I right. think they're inviting in people already in the NFT ecosystem, as Peter said, to, to learn from them uh, and to really figure out where Visa fits into this ecosystem, where they can build products to serve not just the people already in it, but bring it maybe to, to maybe Main Street America. That's yeah. definitely how I see like that, that developing. Yeah, and we're certainly in the early early innings of NFTs, and I mean, there's a lot of people who are extremely bullish that NFTs are going to basically rule the world. Um, time will tell on that one. I, I, I'm I'm moderately bullish, and I think it's it's a it's a good move from Visa's part. Okay, let's get into a couple of fundraisings. Um, we had Blockchain.com just had one of the co-founders on my podcast a few weeks back. And they have raised a new round of funding. Doesn't actually say how much they raised, but it doesn't really matter. Um, they've got, you know, they they're, they're doing well. Blockchain.com raised at a fourteen billion dollar valuation. We do know one year ago they raised at a five point two billion dollar valuation. So the money is still flowing into crypto, um, led by Lightspeed Venture Partners. I mean. I actually, I really enjoyed my my interview with um, Nicholas Carey, one of the co-founders, and it's uh, just, I think you don't you don't see them as much in this country, but but they're they're huge. Blockchain.com. I think they've one trillion in transactions, right? Uh, Thirty-seven million verified users, eighty million wallets. Um, that's those are pretty pretty big numbers. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I think we've, we've had their CEO speak at a, our European conference in the past, um, mm. you know, while valuations and, um, things, um, on the investment side have slowed down in broader fintech, um, they clearly haven't slowed down yet in crypto. No. Nope. Uh, and, you know, I think the, the bet is, and, um, I think the overall gamble is, the, the big change in the last couple of years is there's no longer a um, a look at crypto and thinking can this happen right there's an acceptance to it now now how what you know shape it takes I think is still an open question but there is an acceptance that this is inevitable in some fashion and so that's what VCs are there for to take big bets some of these companies are have already hit home runs and will continue to hit home runs. Other companies will flame out, but um, there's so much still to be, you know, changed and updated and transformed in financial services that, um, you know, that that's the, the, um, the gamble that the most VCs these days are, are willing to, to take. And I don't think it's an, an outlandish one. No. Yeah. I would say the coolest part is definitely, finding the price discovery of something that we now know is here to stay. Like a year ago, Coinbase went public at like a hundred billion valuation and has since, or at least stockwise dropped by almost a half. And 
but at the same time, we have fintechs like Newbank, a banking provider to about 40 million people. Their valuation was around 40 billion. Uh, and meanwhile, blockchain.com, they're not as big in uh, America as I guess we know them around the world. But if they have 37 million users, we're seeing how even as a not public company and sort of still getting there, uh, like Coinbase is so well established, they're still finding their ground and seeing how they're valued. Last right. year, there were 5 billion or so, and now they're 14. And that's a ton of money. But still, it's, it's not, I don't know. It's not as much as some of the other uh, very well-established brands that are even newer, like Newbank, I guess. Right, and the private markets are still, you know, really um, rewarding uh, these companies, um, and and in ways that the public markets, you know, the public markets are a little bit harsher because you know the pub, the private markets, you just got to have one person who really believes in you, and they can set the price. Um, not so in the public markets. But anyway, let's move on. Cross River Bank also raised money this week, $620 million, or they announced it this week, $620 million Series D. Now, I remember it was back at one of the lenders. I think it was, I think it might have been 2015 or 2016. I can't remember that, where they they raised like a Series A. And it was like, I think it was like $20 million And people were going, wow, $20 million Series A. Now that's a $620 million <laughs> Series D. Well, he's a company at more than $3 billion and they've got some big names on board. A16Z co-led the round with Eldridge Capital. Um, so Gilles, Gilles Gade and his team continue to crush it, so it seems. I mean, they were, I think, probably the first real um, bank that were considered a fintech bank. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had, you know, uh, like Finwise and and Celtic and others that were uh, powering a lot of the lending um, ecosystem. Um, there's one I'm missing in there too, but... Um, Webbank. Webbank, there you go. Thank you. Uh, but they, they weren't thought of as this, the fintech bank. I think uh, Cross River helped to, to change some of that. And now you have uh, this litany of, of fintech focused banks uh and now you have crossover making this big push into crypto um to probably be that bridge right um from you know fintech to to web3 uh and so you know it's it's i think it's pretty interesting to see the story and and where they've come from uh obviously there's a lot of sharp people over there we know Gilles, we know uh phil and and many others uh, and, um, you know, it didn't surprise me to, to see uh, this round, even though it's a pretty big jump from previous uh, funding rounds. Um, you know, you hear Cross River a lot when you talk to, to fintechs and others. So, Yeah, you definitely do. And even in my short time uh, writing and learning about the fintech industry, I, you hear Cross River a lot. You know that they are one of the best options for compliance or if you're a startup looking for a bank partnership they are there they they you spend a pretty penny on them but it's worth it because they know what they're doing um and it's cool to see it's 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 amazing to see that they're not just getting like a, a bank funding round they're getting like a fintech uh tech crypto company funding round it, it feels like um yep. yeah you know and it all began when they actually began in the lending space like that like it was uh I don't know if you ever remember a company called Peerform. The um, that was how that was how Cross River got into the lending space. And to Jill's credit, and then it was also with um, Green Sky. But to Jill, to Jill's credit and the team that that they 
they've seen an opportunity that went far beyond the lending space and they have embraced it. They've got a lot of different things happening. So good luck to them. Okay, I want to go uh, talk about the CFPB. Uh, Rohit Chopra, the head there, um, had a speech this week where he talked about getting tougher, particularly on big banks doing repeat offences. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's basically said that, you know, these fines that we levy on these large companies, they just consider it a cost of doing business and don't really care. And so he's talking about doing things uh, a lot, being a lot tougher. I mean, he, he, in this article, they mentioned revoking FDIC insurance privileges. That would be astounding um, because that would basically shut down a bank overnight, it feels like. But uh, he said that these large firms need to be, need to get in line. So uh, it's... I mean, who knows if this is just talk, if they're actually going to go do something. I mean, it would be pretty amazing to do something that other than just a, a fine where it really it really hits the bank's actual business practices, but who knows? Yeah, I feel like in some ways this is uh, like, is it kind of a warning shot to, to fintech and newcomers as well? Like, yeah, they, they mentioned the repeat offenders in banks, but is it kind of like you know, we're going after the big names, like, you know, you like hint, wink, wink, like you guys better be careful too. Yeah. Oh, for um, sure. And so I, I don't know. I, I'd be stunned if they ever ripped away FDIC insurance. I mean, that would, that would, to me, that's like crossing a, um, crossing the Rubicon, so to speak. I mean, right. I, I just don't see that as, as an even, uh, remotely a possibility and you know the uh, someone like the bank lobby is that they would never let yeah there'd be like there'd be lawsuits flying around that would take yeah, like 10 I, years to get anywhere to go and, and just think about all the systemic risk that could involve it if it's the wrong bank like jp morgan like you can't do 60 morgan. million uh, customer <laughs> accounts i mean that's crazy so uh i don't know i feel like it's more of a, a just a warning shot um across the the um the bow of the industry as kind of hey you know, eventually we're we're not going to keep letting some of these practices go. And you know, Wells has has been one of the the worst offenders here with their checking accounts and and others. It's like, and I guess in some ways you do have to warn them, but I, I feel like some of it's more bluster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and who does that? I hadn't thought of that, but who does that bluster really affect? Because it feels like there's a race to get FDIC insurance from crypto banks now. Um, as like the last thing, they keep making a list of what crypto banks need to be considered a, a bank in the U.S. And one of the last ones is FDIC insurance right now. Um, and so if the newcomers aren't, if the big guys shouldn't be worried because you can't take out J.P. Morgan. And if Wells Fargo was well handled with their, with the, the reaction to their bad doing. So, so who's really at risk here? It could be the fintechs. I didn't even consider that. But Chopra started working as a regulator in 2008 when the CFPB was born because of 2008 and the, the, the financial crisis. So he definitely is out there and this administration's out there with an ax to grind for sure. If you screw around, they're really going to, they're not getting, they're not joking around anymore, but that's a big. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, he just, I think he just threw that. I don't, I don't think they would actually do FDIC insurance, but they did say Wells Fargo. I can't remember exactly what the, um, they did basically say that they had a cap on, there was a cap on there uh, on on the amount of capital they could lend, or I can't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, it was um, I forget what it was, but they had to um, 
during PPP, they had to go and get approval to lend beyond that uh, because uh, I think it was something with their ratio, you know, yeah. the tier one ratio and the, the capital, um, you know, that came out of Dodd-Frank and a lot of the, uh, the stuff that uh, right. happened in the financial crisis. Uh, that would <clears throat> bring it into like systemic risk. Yeah. So, and so they 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 have done something in the past that well, I think that was that was that might have been the Federal Reserve that did that, but it was still, they've done they have done things that that impact these banks. So maybe that maybe they'll maybe they'll they'll fall in line. But uh, anyway, um, want to move over? Want to move on to uh, a story you wrote, Kevin? Uh, I know you wrote the Cross River one as well, but um, wanted to talk about built rewards because I, I had a conversation with one of the founders in the last couple of weeks, super interesting. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about them and about the party to on, uh, was it Monday night? Yes, it was Monday night and talk, I mean, speaking of Wells Fargo, um, so they announced they are the main issuer and partner of a new startup called built rewards. It lets you basically use credit uh, or direct ACH debit to pay for your rent. Uh, with uh, points, rewards, and stuff for travel. Um, and it's the first major, well, because it's the, and it's through MasterCard and it's, it's this whole thing, but because it's the first major um, card issued by Wells Fargo, they did this whole big uh, party with, it's like, it was, it was nuts. The, the mayor of New York was there. Uh, Floyd Mayweather was there. They had ASAP Rocky rapping up in uh, this, this brand new building by Grand Central Station. And I, I got the chance to use the card. It works. Um, so far, I haven't checked out any of the points yet. It seems cool, um, but it is also the first thing. When I got home from that that event and I talked to uh, my roommates, I said, oh, yeah, I'm using this new card. I'm testing it out uh, for my job for, for work. He's like, oh, who is it? It's like, oh, Wells Fargo issued it. My friend and me was like, really? They do? Because lit- what, what Rowett Chopper was saying is like, yeah, we did a good job actually slapping um, Wells Fargo's hand because they were – they had an internal culture that was so bad. They, they admitted to, not even a normal settlement, they admitted to a $3 billion deal uh, for f- signing people up for credit cards they didn't want, basically. Right. Um, and that's sort of funny that maybe that's one of the reasons why they haven't had such a big offering. But the built people seem to know what they're doing. And I think they generally do and are interested in helping people make money or make something off of uh, rent, which is your biggest purchase in, in life for most people every month, at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was I a lot. How many people are, are renters uh, in the U.S.? It's uh, it's like fifty million or something, wasn't it? It's a significant number, and um, a lot of those people will never be homeowners. Uh, and it's without a doubt uh, an expense that they can't not pay. And so they do something that gives you something back for paying rent. I think is a is a pretty novel. Uh, concept uh, by the way our um, our old office used to be next door to the Vanderbilt uh, the brand new Vanderbilt building um, we were there as they were breaking ground yeah I remember that uh, on, on the, uh, the new building it's like so five years ago I think wasn't yeah. it was a long time ago funny that to see that building uh, now being built but I mean built by and a party uh, was built um, <laughs> play on words there but I, I think you know there needs to be new innovative products for people that aren't in homes that aren't the typical 750 FICO score and all this, like they, they need to be a part of the rewards economy too. And rewards are only becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger aspect. Um, it goes beyond hotels and travel. Now it goes to everyday stuff. And, and 
you're going to see a lot of crypto stuff related with rewards as well. Yep. Well, the one thing that was most cool that I thought when I was chatting with um, one of the co-founders, he like, even if you pay your rent with a check, um, you can still use the built built card. So what they do with like they, they or, or if you pay with ACH, you can still use the built card because they've got to deal with Mastercard, where on rent payments Mastercard is charging them zero, no um, interchange whatsoever. Uh, I'm sure Wells Fargo has also worked out a way to um, that work with them there with not charging them anything because you can then because what they're what they're thinking is okay we'll we'll um, we'll, we'll take a loss on on the on the cost of processing those transactions with the hope that you'll obviously use the card for other things but that's that's really cool if you're paying your rent by a check right now you can get the built reward built rewards um card and start paying it that way which i think is extremely cool anyway moving on just um this one caught my eye this week uh, alvier another one i've had on the podcast recently um they they're offering they offer embedded finance solutions for non-banks which i, if I think is a really interesting approach and there they offer bank accounts they have lots of they have debit cards and you know they offer payments processing and money transfer all sorts of things but they don't offer crypto well they haven't um and now they're partnering with coinbase to you know to offer crypto so now when you when you do get your i don't know like they've i'm not, I'm not sure some of the brands they're working with uh but uh you know, you get your, say, your United Airlines bank account, you can now be able to trade crypto with your United Airlines bank account if there is such a thing, which I don't think there is yet. <laughs> Go for it, Kevin. It, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, I think they're using Coinbase's, like Coinbase Prime. That's their business to business sort of yep. setup, isn't it? Yeah. And that's, it's cool to see uh, we've been we've been used to Coinbase as like a consumer brand and we've been waiting I've been waiting uh, uh, I just can't wait for their NFT platform that's supposed to come out this year um, <laughs> very consumer focused but instead they're sort of it's cool to see them also making moves for business to business because that's also a lot of what we cover at London and I mean the only one in this space that's really offering like hard hitting big products for crypto business to business or at an in, at, a, at an institutional level is like Nidic. Um, and we're friends of theirs. We work with them all the time. But it's cool to see someone else possibly offer like crypto as an embedded service. Uh, yep. Now, crypto as an embedded service for an embedded service. Company. Yeah. And I didn't even realize Coinbase had this product really until until I read this article about LDS. So they Coinbase are really getting into, um, you know, having sort of an embedded solution for people who want to trade crypto. Just think of how quickly crypto has jumped fintech more broadly yeah. ask anyone on the street if they know what fintech is they probably don't oh ask them if they know what paypal or Venmo is and they'll say they're using it so they yeah. know what fintech is they're using it but ask them if they know what crypto is they might not know what it is but i guarantee you they've heard of it right and so just that see that that jump um beyond it's kind of that leapfrog uh effect uh and stuff like this is only gonna uh, continue that that same impact um getting into um you know non-financial brands yeah yeah okay we're going to end this week um with uh what i thought was a crazy story um hacking again the crypt the second largest crypto hack in history um or based on today's dollars anyway um axie infinity which is a a game um 
that has that's that, that has characters which are, which have value which you can trade. And maybe Kevin, you've played it, but they stole 174,000 ETH, or almost 174,000, 25 and a half million USDC. And it, there's no. The, the, interestingly enough, this they said this wasn't from a technical flaw or a or a traditional sort of hack where they get in just for technology. They said it was a social engineering hack. Yeah. Which, which means they've just basically convinced somebody to click on something and they got they got in the bat they got in relatively easily so it's like which one's worse i mean yeah. but the social engineering is uh, very very difficult to to stop um, so have you played this game kevin i have not i the, the floor price was already too high when i was looking at it in november to try to say all right i'll play this see what it's like but it it it's basically like uh, Pokemon, where you have little monsters that fight each other, but you can breed and sell those monsters and their powers. Mm. And it's remarkable that it has its own internal economy with tokens and based on selling like NFT forms of those monsters, basically. It's nuts. And to hear that, I mean, what it wouldn't really be a month in the crypto world if there wasn't a world record breaking <laughs> hack or thief, like uh, heist in the crypto world. Um, but to see it's social engineering, that's, I mean, that's what, that's, if you have a giant pile of money, that's why TradFi is so slow to do anything. It's because right. they have it under lock. Uh, to see it get manipulated just because someone convinced someone to give them a passcode or they said they were an employee, who knows how it even worked. But that is startling and scary. I mean, yeah. I guess in one way, it's um, the better version of the hack for the industry is obviously the social one. Right. Because that means the technology is not being built wrong or there's not a loophole in it. You can never change um, the social hack because if, if you can convince someone, you can convince someone. Um, but, um, I mean, just awareness about this is uh, the way to go about it. But I think the larger um, question is, you know, stuff like this doesn't help the, the space overall. No, uh, and so you know, I think uh, there's a lot of things the 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 market still needs to do, uh, and hacks happen across financial services. But um, you know, you, you don't want this to continue to happen at the wrong time, uh, yep. and it only it only then takes the guardrails and and tightens it and tightens it and tightens it. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's not good, not good, not good look for crypto at all. They need to, uh, we need to try and reduce the number of hacks that are happening. But anyway, that is all we have time for today, I'm afraid. Um, and you know, we are going to um, be back at the same time next week. Before we sign off, though, just a, a quick reminder: Lender FinTech USA happening in New York City. Go to lender.com. We're going to talk about all the big stories, all the big issues of the day will be discussed at the Javits Center at the end of May, May 25th, 26th. So lenit.com, get your ticket now. Todd, thank you so much. Kevin, you did great. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll be back same yeah. time next week. Thank you. Good first hey. show. Yep. Bye. See you, Peter. Bye. See you.